0: We're going to be in Romans chapter 10 and today's message stands alone. Uh, we've been doing, we've finished a series looking at the journey to joy uh, and Paul's book to the Philippians and what uh, what he has to say about finding joy, uh, not just happiness, which is temporary, but true joy in walking with Christ. And so we've, we've looked through that over the last several weeks and then Pastor Jeff will be back next Sunday introducing a new series called Jesus and Unbelievers. And so... That's going to be a little bit of a, of a practical application series. How we're supposed to see people the way that Jesus saw them and the different types of unbelieving people that he encountered in his ministry. And so today, I hope, becomes, and it has been for me, the motivation for why we should want to do that and what specifically evangelism ought to look like and how it works in process. With salvation. And this message was born uh, on uh, a day on the mission trip to Costa Rica. Uh, Early one morning I received an email from Jeff saying that he had planned a vacation for this time. Would I be willing to preach on that Sunday? And by the end of that day, God had laid this particular passage on my heart to share about And So I'm looking forward to that and kind of sharing more about the 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 opportunities that we have uh, to reach out to those around us and share our faith. And so what what Paul writes uh, in in Romans chapter, the end of chapter 9 and chapter 10, are a part of a bigger uh, theological discussion that he's having about his understanding of who God is and, and how God works in the world so that the Roman people, the early Roman Christians, can have a greater understanding of how their faith works. And this particular passage talks about specifically about how evangelism and how salvation works in the individual and how individuals are a part of that process of sharing of faith and and bringing others to Christ. And and as I sit back and think about what I've learned about how different things work, I couldn't help but think of, of Tate who's my six-year-old son. will be seven later this month. One of his favorite shows that he's found on Netflix is called Mighty Machines. Uh, there's a catchy song that I'm not going to try to sing because I'm not a musician, and I know I won't remember all the words. But the show, the premise of the show is that uh, there's real footage of logging trucks working uh, to get logs out of the forest and to a lumberyard so it's made into wood so that you and I can go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy a two-by-four or a one-by-six or whatever we need to use for that project that we're working on or there's there's an episode where there's a, a group of dump trucks and snow plows and blowers and pushers and salt trucks that go all through the streets of a major city right after a snowstorm and clear those streets so that the next morning when everybody wakes up to go to work and to go to school those streets are clean and then there was a, a one episode that i remember vividly about a paper a newspaper printing factory a newspaper printing facility giant rolls of, of newspaper paper that forklifts would move into position, and men and women would get them set, and then the automation would start, and these machines would take over. And in every episode, each machine is a character. So it's it's real footage of real machines, real vehicles, real things working, but they have these voiceovers. So it's like the the vehicles or the The machines or the instruments or whatever have a voice and they talk with one another and explain, well, this is why I'm doing this because I have to do this so that this happens and and he has to do this so this happens and they have these interactions with one another as they're they're going along the show and you learn a lot about how things work. Um, And so to me, at least, and and my kind of process-driven personality, I enjoyed it too. Uh, Even though it was designed for kids, I enjoyed sitting down and learning how uh, some things that I know they happen but learning how they happen uh, was really important to me. And it it brought this revelation to me. You know, as we learn how something works, as we learn about how a process comes about or how something is made or how something is built, we can learn, we can gain a greater understanding of that process. And by having a greater understanding of that process, we can have a greater appreciation uh, for what that procedure or what that process produces, the finished product, what it takes to get to that. You know, I now have a newfound appreciation for when I pick up the newspaper, when I walk in the office on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning and see what the headline is. I have an appreciation for knowing how that paper was made and how that that, that specific newspaper was produced. And I think not only can we have a greater understanding of how something happens or the way something is made, and not only can we have a a greater appreciation of it, but I also think that understanding how something works works also helps us be more effective if we're ever involved in that process. You know, just before the service, James was leading the the worship band in in some run-throughs of some of the songs. And there was one song that they were particularly not particularly familiar with, but running through that song, they gained a familiarity with that song and, and a familiarity of playing that song together with the different instruments and the different parts. And so just by understanding that song a little bit, they were more effective and leading us in worship together this morning. And so that because they knew how that song was supposed to work and how it was supposed to fit together, they, had a better, they were able to lead us to a greater understanding even of who Jesus is. And so as we think about the call on our lives that we've been talking about this entire year, to find our purpose and live out our purpose in God's mission, I think it's important for us to understand how God's mission works how we fit in that process. If we're we're going to find our mission, our purpose in God's mission, and we're going to step into that and fulfill that, and many of you have done that. You've participated uh, in in Missional Pathway and you found something very specific through the Awaken and the Activate seminars that, that, that you want to do, that you feel God has called you to do. Some of you didn't even need that seminar to know exactly what it is that God has called you to do. Others of you are still looking. What is it that God has called me to do But I think it's important, no matter where you are in relation to what your mission is and being obedient and stepping into that mission, you need to understand how God's mission works in general. So that's what we're going to look at today. See, we've looked at this past year, we've learned uh, some things together. We started the year in January by looking at the purpose for our lives and how we can live our lives on purpose and not just go through the motions and not just do things for the sake of doing them but being intentional with our relationships, being intentional with the things we say, the things we do, the places we go, being intentional with our resources, and being intentional with the things that God has blessed us with and living our lives on purpose. And we looked at some great, Jeff led us through a series through some great heroes of our faith in the Old Testament, a couple in the New Testament, and we learned from them some things to do, and we also learned from some of them some things not to do as we step into God's mission for our lives and we seek to fulfill Uh, what it is that he set before us to do. And then if we're fulfilling that mission, then that ought to affect how we live our lives and how we respond to certain cultural happenings and certain political happenings and certain social happenings. And so we addressed a number of those. A couple of those were done interview style. A couple of those messages we looked at were involved other people who were experts on the topic that we were talking about and looking at some very real world, very tough issues. And if we're living on mission What are our response? What what should our response be to those issues? And then we've just finished up the series, as I mentioned before, the journey to joy, how to find joy in our daily lives so that when we're living out our purpose in God's mission, we're not wasting our time. We're not wasting our talent. We're not wasting our treasure. We're using it all for God's glory, glory, and to express the joy that's in our lives so that others around us see that and want to experience in that as well. So if we want to live on mission with God, if we want to be on mission with Him, we should seek to understand what His mission is. Just like watching a show about how a snowplow system works helps you understand a little bit about that process. The same way reading Scripture and looking at how Paul interacts with the message of salvation and looking at how he spells this out in a distinct pattern that we're going to be able to apply to our lives, if we have an understanding of that, we can have a greater understanding of what His mission is. I think we can have a more full and, and what I call a holy appreciation for that mission. That we see that the things that we're called to do, above all else, evangelism is right there at the top of the list. The sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope that, that He brings to the world. And then I think that you and I could become more effective at doing that, at fulfilling God's mission for our lives if we have a greater understanding of what it is. So how do we do this? How do we fit in God's mission? How can the creator of the universe use us? Fallen men and women, fallen students, fallen families, fallen individuals. How can God use us? Sometimes a lot of our junk, a lot of the things that, that we feel make us unworthy to be used by Him. How can the creator of the universe possibly Even sometimes I have the question, how does he want to use us? In his mission to reconcile the world to himself. Paul's letter helps us answer those how questions by providing us four how questions and a how statement. He's writing in Romans chapter 9, I'm going to summarize a few verses and we're going to look specifically at chapter 10, verses 9-15, through but he's writing about the struggle he has with the Israelites, Rejection of Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah. He, he's struggling with the fact that they chose a works-based salvation over a faith-based salvation. And he's explaining to the Gentile people, those that he's writing to, he's explaining to them that they, you, that the Gentiles, have chosen faith. You have staked your claim, your relationship with Christ on a saving faith in Jesus as Saviour. And, and he gets concerned, he even says in verse, verse 1 of chapter 10, his heart's desire and his prayer to God is that they, the Jews, might be saved. You and I share that same desire for people we know who don't know Christ to be saved. I know that to be true because several months ago, uh, we, ha- we asked you to take a card that was in the back of the pew and write the name or the initial or the names or the initials of people that you wanted to see come to know Christ. And there's hundreds of cards and they're stuck into a board that's two boards that are out on our atrium for us to continue to see and remember who those individuals are that we're praying for. Who those individuals are that we're called to have conversations with about what it means to know Jesus. So I know that you share. We know that we share in that same desire that Paul had for people to come to know Christ. In his case, the Jews to come to know Christ. We share that same desire for others. So then how do we become involved in that? How do we do that? What's our, our role, the big picture, the 30,000 foot view in God's mission for our, for our lives and reaching people in Conroe, Texas and beyond? Read with me, if you will, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we'll see exactly what Paul has to say. We're going to have to settle two things this morning in order to move on. It says in verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all. Verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And here come the how questions. But how are they to call on Him him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul takes some time to, to spell out for us exactly how our role in his mission is supposed to work. He spells out for us very clearly what it means to be saved and what it means to share your faith. And so first let's look at salvation. Salvation comes when someone believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is both alive and Jesus is Lord. See, there are other religions in this world that believe that they have a a Messiah, a Savior, someone like Jesus, but the thing that makes Jesus so different from any of those others is that Jesus is alive, and Jesus desires, as we looked at last week, He desires to be the Lord of your life. Many of you probably still have that card with you somewhere, either in your wallet or your Bible or your purse. I've seen some slipped in phone covers where you've thrown away that no that we tore off last week and you kept that Lord. Because if you've made that choice, if you believe in your heart and you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord, then that shapes everything else that we're going to look at the rest of this time together this morning. And not only do we know this about salvation, not only is it personal And that you and I have an opportunity to respond as the Holy Spirit has moved in your life at some point, if you're a believer. Maybe the Holy Spirit is working in your life right now to draw you closer to God and to draw you to salvation. You are feeling that tug. But the the thing that's also true about salvation is that salvation is for everyone. Verses 12 and 13 talk about that. No distinction between the Jew and the Greek. The the, The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The second truth about salvation this morning is that it's not not exclusive. It's it's not limited to a group of people that are of a certain religion or a certain culture or a certain background or live in a certain area or do a certain set of things. It's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. As we learned last week, we have to have that that right understanding of what it truly means to make Jesus the Lord of our life. It's one thing to declare that He's our Savior. That's probably a little bit easier for most of us to believe and to to declare. But when you really say, Jesus, I need you, I want you to be the Lord of my life. To be at the very center of everything I do. Every dollar I spend, every minute I plan, everything that I do is yours. And so everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Some of you have not reached that place in your life yet you're sitting here today and you maybe don't know Jesus as your personal savior. And we're going to I'm going to ask you a question in just a minute, but I want to talk to those in the room who know Jesus as their savior. The local church here at First Adventist Concord, the believers in the room today, uh, whether you're a part of our church, a part of our fellowship, or whether you're here visiting today, if you know Christ, then we have to ask ourselves these questions. That Paul asks, how are they those who are unbelievers? How are they to call on Jesus? if they don't believe in Him? How are they, the unbelievers, to believe in Him if they've never heard of Him? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? How can an unbeliever call on Jesus if they don't believe in Him? How can an unbeliever believe in Jesus if they haven't heard what He's done? If they haven't heard the truth about, about who He is and, and the link that He went to pay the price that we should have paid for our sin and our choices and our rejection of God as our creator and God as our father and Jesus as our savior before we came to know him how can they believe in Jesus if they haven't heard what he's done and how can they hear without someone preaching Uh, yes I'm standing here preaching today but that doesn't mean that you have to get up in front of a group of people and put on a microphone and start preaching to a group of people seated in chairs or pews or wherever they are Preaching can happen in a many different forms. It can happen in the lunchroom at school. It can happen in the car rider line for parents with kids who are exploring what it means to know Jesus. You can have those conversations with them anytime. It can happen in the office. It can happen in, in the car ride right on the way down to a ball game. It can happen while you're picking up your clothes at the dry cleaner. Anytime you're declaring the good news of Jesus Christ, you're preaching the gospel. Anytime you're sharing about what Jesus Christ has done in your life, For the believer, you're sharing the gospel. And so you have that opportunity day in and day out to preach. And so then this last question that's a little bit different How can they preach without being sent? See, there are direct answers for each of the first three questions, but I would argue that this fourth question is a little bit rhetorical. Because the moment you were saved, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were sent. All of God's commands for us and how to live our lives are spelled out in and through the person of Jesus Christ just as He sent the disciples. As soon as they chose to follow Him, they were sent. See, when I was a, a little boy, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And at that moment, I was sent into ministry, into evangelism, into missions, no matter what God called me to do with my adult life. Now, as a junior going into my senior year of high school, He called me specifically to vocational ministry. So I'm here today uh, because of that, because of that call of my life, and, and finding my role in God's mission, my place and my purpose in God's mission for my life, a part of His role. But but I was sent when I trusted Jesus as my Savior. So if He'd have called me to be a doctor, a banker, if He'd have called me to drive a snowplow truck, which I learned how to do by watching mining machines, it doesn't matter what He would have called me to do, I was sent already, and I would still have the same responsibility to share the gospel that I do today, no matter what vocation I'm in. So you think back to that time in your life if you're a believer and you trusted Jesus as your Savior. From that moment, you were sent. From that moment on, you were sent to share a message of hope in the person of Jesus Christ and grace shown to us on the cross and forgiveness covers us by the blood of Jesus Christ and the fact that that Jesus is alive today. And because of that, we can know God. Because of that, those around us can know God. And because of that, those who do know God should make Him known through the person of Jesus Christ and the world around them. And so if you take what Paul writes and this process of of how salvation works, belief in your heart, confession with your mouth, that Jesus is alive and Lord, you take that and you pair that with what he says about evangelism. And how it's supposed to work, and, and you reverse the process. You reverse what he's written. You press rewind, and you get how we fit in God's mission. See, so if you start at the back, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Those who are saved are sent, and those who are sent preach the good news. And those who, pre- those who hear the good news can believe in Jesus, and those who believe in him, they can be saved. And those who are saved are then sent. And now those people that that we've been able to reach, now they're sent. And they're a part of that process. And they're a part of God's mission to reconcile the world to Himself in and through the person of Jesus Christ. So I would would argue this, that, that as we're talking about all year long, finding our purpose, and our goal as a church family and a church staff is to equip one another to fulfill our purpose in God's mission, then before you can do that, you have to answer the question of salvation. Paul spells it out clearly. Belief in your heart and a confession with your mouth that Jesus is alive and He's the Lord of your life. And so i just ask you that question. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that He is Lord? Do you believe, or have you confessed that with your mouth that you believe these things? You know, across this summer we've had some opportunities through vacation Bible school, through our students going to New Orleans, through a team from our church going to Costa Rica. We've had folks baptized. We've been able to share and, and show and live out and, and even preach the gospel uh, with men and women, with children, with students, people of all ages and all walks of life, what it means uh, to know Jesus as Savior. And we've seen people respond to that message. I got to sit down uh, with a, a fourth grade, a finished fourth grade boy. Um, at the end of the day of a vacation Bible school day, and and talk with him about what it is like to know Jesus as Savior. And by the end of that conversation, he had trusted Jesus as his Savior. He had had admitted to me that he believes this in his heart, and he had confessed before God that he needed Jesus to be his Savior. He's since been baptized here on a Sunday morning. And so that's an exciting thing that happens in ministry. And we've seen that happen dozens and dozens of times uh, throughout this year, especially with our children and our students, and we're thankful for that. But I would ask each of you in this room, have you answered that question definitively? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And then if you have, you have to answer a second question. See, if you can answer the question of salvation affirmatively. then the question about evangelism must be answered. What am I doing with what I know? What am I doing with this this truth of the gospel? What am I doing with this good news? To the moment you trusted Jesus, you were sent. But as you're sent, as you're going, as your feet carry you places, Are you sharing the message? Are you preaching the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you? If you're saved, you've been sent, you can preach the good news to someone who sits across the dinner table from you each night. Maybe there's somebody in your own house that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior and God's calling you to reach that person. It could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a grandparent, it could be a sibling. God has called you to reach them. It could be somebody across the street from you. Could be a neighbor, it could be somebody that's moved in new to the area, you could be new to your street. And maybe that person doesn't know who you are and you have an opportunity to get to know them and build a relationship with them so that you uh, can share the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Maybe the person's across the hallway from you, maybe in your workplace, maybe it's somebody that you worked with for years, uh, and you know that they need Jesus Christ in their lives, and you need Jesus, they need Jesus to be their Savior. And you begin a conversation with them where you just preach as you share with them about who Jesus is and what He's done in your life and even what He's doing now and what He's teaching you and what He's showing you. Maybe this person's across town. Maybe you drive somewhere regularly for the dry cleaner or to get a haircut or you have a favorite restaurant. Maybe you have somewhere, some connection in this community where God's called you to reach somebody. For our students, maybe it's at school. You're getting ready to head back begrudgingly, I know, uh, to school. Parents are excited. Kids are like, no, we want summer to continue. And so you're having an opportunity uh, to meet some new friends, to meet some new people, and to share your faith uh, with your peers, with your classmates. What about somebody across the country from you, around the world? You know, God has has called some people from this church to go. We've got got people from this church who are full-time missionaries in places around the world. We've got people who've done short-term missions. We've got people who've gone on, on trips on their own. Totally separate of what the church is doing. We've got people who have have chosen at different times in our church's life to go uh, to another state, another country, another continent, uh, and share the gospel with people. And so as you seek uh, to fulfill your purpose in God's mission, God may call you to go. You don't have to answer that. You don't have to decide today that call if you answer the call to go. That moment came when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You know, that, that, that card that we tore last week, and I've got mine in my wallet, where I can see I've got a little clear pocket on the front of it, and so I can see that each time I pull my wallet out as a reminder that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And that call to go came when you trusted Jesus, for the believer when you trusted Jesus as your Savior. But what you do need to decide today is that you need to make the decision that you will be one who preaches the good news as your feet carry you, and that 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 last statement, that last how statement, would be true about you. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Starting next Sunday, Jeff's going to uh, introduce a new series for us called "Jesus and Unbelievers." And we're going to look at specific interactions between Jesus and men and women who didn't know who he was and didn't believe in him, and how he treated them, and how he viewed them, and how he addressed their situations differently. We're going to find ways that we can practically apply the principles and the things that Jesus did to our interactions with unbelievers. Some who are like those people in Scripture that Jesus interacted with. And so as you start to learn over the next few weeks about how to reach people, I hope you're encouraged and I hope you're thinking about specific people, specific unbelievers in your life. I hope that you take serious the prayer this week uh, that's in your worship guide, in that first guide that says the last sentence of the, the little blurb that I wrote, please be in, be in prayer this week that you would always be willing to share the good news where your feet take you. And so as you apply this teaching to your life, as you apply this process of saved and sent to preach the good news so people can hear the good news, so those that hear it can believe and those that can believe can know Jesus as their Savior. As you do that individually, we get to share in something collectively. Here at First Baptist Connor, we get to share in something together. We get to be a part of something that's bigger than any one of us. And it's really even, it's bigger than this church. But we get to share in this process in two ways. See, each one of you, as I shared those different relationships, those different interactions that you might have with somebody in your family, somebody in your workplace or in your school or on your street or in this community, each one of you is probably thinking of someone or could think of someone if you really thought about it real hard. God could lay someone, probably several someones on your heart. And so we get to go individually and preach to those people and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. We get to do that individually while collectively we're supporting one another, we're encouraging one another, we're lifting one another up as we together achieve the mission that God has set for us for this church. And so individually we're working, but collectively we're working as well. And that's the second thing that we get to share together. See, as a church family, we're called to reach and preach and teach and do that as a group and as a church family. That happens in this room on Sunday mornings. It happens on this campus and our live groups. It happens on Wednesday evenings throughout the school year through other special events. It happens when we pack up teams and we go to different places on mission trips and we take our students to New Orleans and the group of leaders that go with them and we do things together. We've got partnerships now in Central and South America with international missionaries and opportunities as a church family to go and to share our faith and to carry the good news. And I just wonder about this. When you think about what's happening in our community today, I want you to imagine you know, this, this past week Celebrated my 34th birthday. I've got two kids. I've lived in this area for a little over eight years. Imagine someone like me, younger 30 year old guy, grew up in this area, maybe grew up in this town. He's married, he's got a couple kids, he's got a full time job. His kids are getting ready to go back to school. But imagine he doesn't know Jesus as his Savior. Imagine that he's just walking through life, living in, in Conroe or living in Montgomery County his whole life with a church on every other street corner. Probably many of you are like me. There's multiple Bibles in your home. Scripture is readily available. If you've got a cell phone, you've got at least 30 or 40 versions of it on an app you can download in 30 seconds and have that at your fingertips. He maybe has access to that, but he's just never really truly sought God's Word himself. Maybe he's learned over the course of his life that that through some teaching that's maybe not not from Scripture, that that if you live your life in a good way and, and you do good things, God will bless you. He'll give you more money, he'll give you a better job, then you'll get a better house, and you have a better car, and your family will be better if you just do good things, if you just obey God. And he's walking through this life, and he's a good person. He loves his wife, he loves his kids, he does everything he's supposed to do, but he doesn't know Jesus as his Savior. Just think about that guy for a minute. And think about the 30-year-old man that was born in the mountains in northern Columbia. This Kogi man, think about him for a second. The Kogi people live in the higher elevations of the Sierra Nevada Mountains in northern Columbia. There's a little over 9,000 of them. There's 140 known believers in that people group. They don't have the Bible in their language. He's never had access to Scripture. He's never had someone come and share the gospel with him. He's never had someone come to where he lives. There are less than 2% of the people that he lives with that know Jesus as your Savior, And they don't even live with Him because they've been excommunicated from their cultural religion because they've chosen to follow Jesus as their Savior. That guy, that 30-year-old guy, 30-something-year-old man in Conroe, that 30-year-old man in the mountains in South America, they need to hear who Jesus is. They need to hear what He's done for their lives, and they need to hear that from you. And they need to hear that from me. And that's how you and I are a part of the process. That's how you and I are a part of God's mission in the world. For God to share His message that makes us right with Him through the person of Jesus Christ. That Kogi man, his people group is one of 103 people groups in Central and South America that the International Mission Board that we support through our tithes and offerings and we pray for and we engage with in different ways. One of 103 unreached people groups just in Central and South America alone where less than 2% of their population don't know Jesus as their Savior. We've got plenty of 30-year-old men and women and teenagers and retirees, empty nesters living in our community who need to hear the gospel, who need you uh, to walk out the doors of this church and share your faith with them at lunch. You're down the road at your favorite restaurant at lunch today, your waiter or your waitress may not know Jesus as their Savior. You have an opportunity to preach to them. To talk with to them. Hey, we've been at church. we talked about what Jesus has done for our lives. Some of you may have an opportunity to go to New Orleans or to go to South America or to go to Central America, to go to some place where God is calling you and calling this church to share the gospel. And we need to be ready today to pray this week and that we would be willing to share the good news where our feet take us. And we need to be a people. We need to be a church. We need to be individuals that, that what Paul wrote about, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But let that be true about you and me. Let that be true about us as we live our lives and we share our faith with those around us. And let that, let that truth continue to grow in the weeks ahead as God gives you and God gives me uh, through the next series that we're going to walk through, that God gives us eyes for the unbeliever, uh, the people that he loves so dearly. The people that are searching for truth and searching for answers and searching for a connection. We know the truth as believers. And we know that the truth can set them free. And so I pray this morning, as, I, as I'm about to pray for you, I pray for me as well, that, that we would be men and women, that we would be students, that we would be a church family uh, that continues every day uh, to share the good news of who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for our lives.